All right, so this is part three of the three-hour challenge of Yokanon Chapter 7. So, again, shouts out to Rabbi Griffin. Uh, we are only five verses into Yokanon Chapter 7. <laughs> so, anyway, um, we finished with testing the spirits and the different Mashiachs and all that kind of stuff and all that. We're moving on from that. And um, we were trying to get back to the Or HaKaim on Shemot 21.11. But before we do that, there's this thing about opening books, opening your sources that are not electronic devices, that catch you off guard. And so as I'm looking in the Or HaKaim, I get to the passage about the slave who says, I do not want to leave my master. So in Parshat Mishpatim, literally, the verse is uh, Shemot 21.6. Shemot 21.6 says, Then his master shall bring him before the judges and shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall bore through his ear with the awl and shall... And he shall serve him forever. So the slave before that says, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I shall not go free. So as I'm looking in the commentary or Hakim, three pages later <laughs> on that same section, this is what it says. Um, oh no, I lost my place. No, I didn't. It says that the Jewish people are compared to a dove. Oh, okay. We're not. Oh, to stop it. That's not what I meant to yep. read. That's not what I meant. Yona, 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 Yona. Wow. Okay. So another side flank. The Jewish people are called a dove. That was just uncalled for. Uh, yeah, because you know, former uh, Shiok's twin. What we're supposed to be. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't you have? Aren't you the one who did that whole drop on a, a Hashem having a twin? No, that was Rabbi, I think. Because it was like uh, Hashem's twin is supposed to be like Israel or something like that. Yeah, that's that was Rabbi because it's like two the two twins of a gazelle. You know, oh. the, that whole thing in Shirashreen. Oh my word! Yeah, Rabbi's been dropping a whole lot of that from uh, from Shirashreen. Ma'am Loez, yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, you know, Loaz is another name for the Hebrew tongue. No. And, and I just read uh, today. I gotta find it again, but I know I read it in here talking about you know where it says the angels, angels uh, with clear speech proclaim his 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 holiness, right? Right. So the 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 clear speech is pure Hebrew. Ooh. Mm. Get you some. Okay. So. Uh... <sighs> okay, I keep reading all this other stuff on these pages. Orhakaim is ridiculous. If you do not have the Orhakaim, man. Yeah, between between like him, Ramban, and Rashi, it's like you just got a whole lot of nukes from the Shiak, you know? Yeah. And Rabbeinu Bakia, for that matter. Oh, Rabbeinu Bakia. His name sounds violent. T today, I was like, oh no, what's he about to say? <laughs> right? Yeah, Rabbi just kept saying Rabbeinu Bakia. I'm like, oh, everybody duck. <laughs> dude, that was... I, I'm still recovering from that. That was incredible, dude. Like, I was like... Because I never put together that, like, the Kavod of Hashem. Well, I mean, I guess I guess in a way I did, but I, I today, like, totally, totally, like, 
shifted the way I the way I had thought about it before. Yeah. But go ahead, go ahead, drop what you're gonna drop. Okay. So or- Orha Chaim, three pages later. Well, actually, like six pages later, because three pages later was talking about something else. See, this is ridiculous. You can have six pages on two verses of commentary. So I'm going to pretend like I'm not amazed by that. And I'm going to say, regarding what the Torah says, but if the servant shall say, I love my master, my wife and my children. Here, the Torah tells us about the service of the Jewish servant of Hashem. Because, you know, as, as Jews, we're called slaves to righteousness. Because we're Hashem's yeah. servants, and that is our freedom to be slaves to Hashem. Anyway, uh, <laughs> right. you got to serve, serve somebody. Somebody's got to be your master. Oh, okay. So the service of the Jewish people to Hashem, and it says that when you become this person who says, "I love my master, my wife, my children," it says this is one who is a servant of Hashem who is so passionate about serving his Creator. That he still has a desire to serve his master, even after his physical strength has been sapped. And it is time for him to leave this world. He still wants to serve Hashem. This is why Moshe asked Hashem to to not let him die. Okay, and then it says, this is what the verse alludes to when it says that the servant declares at the end of his term, i.e. at the end of his life. I love my master, i.e. Hashem, my wife and my children, with wife and children referring to the soul being the wife, the mitzvot that he performed in this world are children. All right, the handiwork. So if you think about the Eshet Kayil, over in Shomer Blue, it says that, men, that, um, that her husband shall laud her and her children shall praise her. So if you're an Eshet Chayil, if you're a woman who is a, a, a woman of valor, basically, and it talks about her children have risen and praised her, well, what about the Eshet Chayil who has no physical children? And I've always... Or, or what? Said, or does she? Right. And that's always kind of been my thing because I'm like, we have many Eshet Chayil who... Who may or may not have physical children, but even if they have children, or even if they don't have children, Bezrach Hashem, they have children because being an Eshekayil, you should be a woman of valor, which would lead you to Mishle 31.28. Here's the commentary. Rashi says, her children refers to the students of Torah. So if you have someone in your life as in uh, speaking to the Eshekayil for a moment, if y'all got somebody that is a student of Torah, okay, if you're teaching someone Torah, that's your child. And then it says her husband. This refers to Hashem. So now, even if you don't even have a physical husband, you have a husband and his name is Hashem. Not only that, okay, so single women can be an Eshekayil. That's... Um, That's right. I mean, I mean. So um, now it says her children. Another interpretation is the angels that are created through her good deeds. Mm. Then it says her husband is the master of all souls. Both Hashem and the angels praise and extol this good soul. Wow. Okay. 
So then another thing it says, let her be praised in the gates by her very own deeds. Deeds, yep. The fruits of Torah are good deeds through which a person will merit eternal life. The Torah is likened to an etz chayim, the tree of life. If a person eats from this tree, he will live forever in the spiritual sense. Guess who that's from? Rabbeinu Bakya. Says, Wait, say that again? Rabbeinu Bakya basically says, when it talks about let her be praised in the gates by her very own deeds, and it says that the fruits, because the fruits of her handiwork is the first part of that verse, says right. the, the fruits are good deeds, deeds. Okay. through which a person will merit eternal life. And the Torah is likened to an etz kayim, a tree of life. If a person eats from this tree, he will live forever in the spiritual sense. So how do we eat from the tree of the, how do we eat from the tree of life? How do we get back in the garden to get to the tree of life? It's through the Torah. That's right. So it's like a, it's like literally a one-stop shop. But That's then, a, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the next little uh, statement here, it says that this is from Rashi. In the hereafter, students of Torah will be given splendor, greatness, strength, beauty, and sovereignty. There's a little drop on that. So I was thinking about uh, Mishlei 3.18, where it was talking about the Torah as a tree of life for those who grasp it. Because it's interesting how there's this theology that exists out there that we should not be doing Torah. And it's just like, oh, so you don't want eternal life? Because right. when Mashiach was asked, how must I attain eternal life? He said, right. what, what does the Torah say? Did, did you eat from the tree of life? <laughs> you know? He says, he says, yeah, it says Shema. So if you look at the commentary on Mishlei 318, which says it is a tree of life to those who grasp it. The verse encourages people to study Torah. Everyone wants to live long. Many people want earthly success. Torah study provides both. That's from the Radak. Then it says, just as a tree produces fruit year after year, so Torah study constantly enriches its students. To the degree a person recognizes that his meaningful existence depends on how tightly he grasps the Torah. It will be a tree of life for him. That's from the Kiddushay Har Harim. Man, if I could just like chime in on that for like one minute. Alright, 60 seconds on the clock. Hit because that is that is I feel like that's becoming more and more true as as I progress in this walk because it seems like and, and you know what's funny? It's like I read when you gave me that Baha Torah set uh, at the beginning of the last Torah cycle when we, when we got the bare sheet. So in the beginning of Baha Torah's like opening, he says, uh, that, man, I, I don't have it in front of me. It's inside. But basically to the effect that he says that uh, if one if one spins a day away from Torah study, it's like as he lose. It, it takes two to get back. And mm. so more to, if it takes two days to get back, it takes four. To, like, like the more amount of time you take, you t you spend away from the Torah, the the double amount of time it's going to take you to get back at, that uh to where you were like day after day after day after day after day. That's why that's why 
That's why Torah's hard to grasp once you've let once you've let go. Ooh. Uh, so you don't want to let go, but I mean, we all kind of go through like uh, seasons to where you know we don't really have time to study, or not to say we don't have really have time to study, but you're so pressed with everything else, all the mundane, that you just you know you get caught up and you. It is what it is, and you just, but just knowing that, like, this year, going into this year, it was, like, that much more, like, real for me. Like, I got, I kind of got to see it, like, firsthand this year, wow. and I was like, okay, let's not do that this tour cycle, like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I agree with that, 100%. Wow, we have a, a source and a precedent of first-person personal experience. <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's real, man. Like you gotta you gotta you gotta you got to, man. It has to. I mean, cause, he, he, cause and then when you do, when you that's that's the other cool part. It's when you finally do get back, it's like it's that much more refreshing. And I think Hashem allows that for like all of us. I think that makes it that way so that we grow and like uh, appreciate it. You know. Right, Bruce It's a tree of life. It's pleasant. <laughs> all right. Oh, man. So, uh, I promise we will get to Yokodon Chapter 7, but <laughs> we have to do this right now. Come on. It says, to the degree a person recognizes that his meaningful existence depends on how tightly he grasps the toy, it will be a tree of life for him. So, we read that. So, now it says that its supporters are praiseworthy. Everyone who supports Torah students and institutions is praiseworthy. That's the redox. Alternatively, its supporters are those who institute fences, i.e. rabbinic commandments. Oh, snap. So its supporters are the fences, the rabbinics. So it's just like, why do we not mix meat and dairy? Because... Obviously, there's a Torah commandment on that, but it extends over into having, you know, to separate chicken as well. Like chicken rabbinically is called meat, you know, and people try to like argue and go up against that and be like, no, we can have chicken cheese sandwiches. It's like, okay, you can do that if you want to, but I'm going to stick with the supporters over here. I'm going to stay on the fence and uh, just not worry about it. But anyway, I digress. It says, these are provisions to safeguard the mitzvot against transgression. Because, see, one thing I don't think we realize if we ever have a problem with the fences of Torah is that we could lose sight of the fact of if we take down so many fences, we, we're making ourselves that much closer to sin, you know? And so the degrees of separation that we remove ourselves from sin are those rabbinic enactments. But uh, anyway, keep going here. I want to jump down to uh, verse 19 because this hit me in the face as I was trying to close the book. It's like, you will not close this book. It says, Hashem founded the earth with wisdom. He establishes the heavens with understanding. Melik Shlomo speaks of infinite significance of Chokmah, Tevuna and Dot, which is wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It says, with them, Hashem created the earth and all the heavenly bodies of the universe and arranged them 
so that they would function harmoniously. That's from the Radak. Here's what got me. The Torah, the Torah was the blueprint of creation. Hashem looked into the Torah and created the world. Bereshit Rabbah 1 2. Uh, and, and this is the sages. Says there is nothing without its place. That's pure K I vote 4 3. This means that everything in existence has a place in the Torah. We must therefore understand everything in the perspective of Torah. That's yeah. from the Safat Emet. Well, that's 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 what that's the beauty of it is because it's like you know they got these people now. Uh, in particular, the the one that I like to follow is the, uh, the the man. His name is Rabbi Glazerson. Um, not a Yahoo Gladerson, I think that's his name. Okay. But he does all the tor- he does all the Torah codes, mm. and so like he's constantly finding like stuff that is like happening today or happened then that is like totally in a verse that is just prophetic about what's going on today in today's world, or or even you know what's funny is he found he found one uh, the other day that says the rectification of Yeshua and it's like 577 and I just think about two years ago when I like made Shuva and like or started to make Shuva and constantly making Shuva but what? it's totally it's totally yeah yeah man it's, it, it was pretty cool <laughs> so okay. well let's hit up Or Haim 2111 do you remember what the footnote was for that uh, the footnote it was basically saying that Mashiach doesn't have to perform signs and wonders but Nevertheless, he will do so. So the nevertheless, he will do so part was a foot was the footnote was or her high Oh, my goodness. This is all just absolutely insane. Every page I'm looking at right now on 2111. <laughs> OK, so check this out. So 2111 starts on page 41. And he keeps going and going and going and going to page 50. There's that much commentary on 2111. So just from looking at some uh, cliff notes here, I see it says the souls of the righteous earn the right to have the light of Hashem. Blessed be he revealed to them. So Mashiach says, you know, to them, I teach in parables to you. I give the secrets, i.e. I give you the light of Hashem because you're souls of the righteous. Because I'm righteous and you're my children. Then it says, their sustenance, their delight, and a fulfillment of their ultimate desire. Hashem is saying that the Jewish people, that if they are worthy of bringing about the redemption earlier than its time, he will accord them this right. When the Redeemer arrives, that is, Hashem will reveal the light of his presence upon the righteous while they still are alive in this world. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, that is the, so you know, I already know what verse I'm thinking about. What? Where Yeshua says, uh, uh, he talks about the, the end of days and he says, and he says, but nevertheless, it will be short for the righteous of that day. You know what I'm talking? I can't. I'm, I feel like I'm misquoting it, but I mean, he says something to that effect. And uh, I think was do it again. Say it again. Where he says, he says uh, he's talking about the end of days. He's saying, uh, 
What does he say exactly? I think it's in Matthew. I gotta try to find it. Come back to me. You, okay, you gonna tab it? Oh, I think I got it. I think I got it. I got it. I got it. Hold on. So, uh, talking about and from the fig tree learn its parable. When its branches become tender, already sprouts leaves. You know that summer is near. That's also no. That's not it. What was the idea of what you're talking about? I think I found it. it says, then if someone says to you, Hineni, here, here's the, the Mashiach. Don't believe him? Don't believe him. Don't believe him. I think I was but this would be the base of Mashiach. Coming outside, and then wherever the place of corpses, there would be gathered there the vultures. Immediately, the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from heaven, and the and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then the Son of Man, or the sign of the Son of Man, is remind All the tribes of the earth will see Ben Hadam Mashiach and his house is coming, the clouds of glory of heaven, with power and great kavod. Man, mm, where's this at? So he, he, you're connecting this to the fact that he will reveal this light even while we're still in this world. Yeah, he's. I'm trying to find what he says specifically about the Zadokim. He says, uh, "Is this the summer you won't taste death?" No. I found the Orhakim reference. It says, "It says, and if those days were not cut short, oh, yeah, that's what it says. It says, it says, okay, so here it goes. First, where you at? Where you at? Um, uh, uh, Matthew." 24, uh, 21. Right. So it says, For then great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, nor will it be by any means happen again. And if those days were not cut short, all flesh would not be saved. But on account of the Kodashim, the Berachim, chosen ones, those days will be cut short. <laughs> Meriting the redemption to come sooner. Right. <laughs> That's what he says. And then he goes on to say, if somebody says, here's the Mashiach, or here's the Mashiach, don't have faith in that, for a false uh, Mashiach will arise, and false prophets, and they will give great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even the chosen ones. Hine ni, I have told you beforehand. If therefore they say to you, Hine ni, the Mashiach is in the desert, don't go there. Hine ni. <laughs> Mashiach is, is in the secret room. Do not have faith in that. For as lightning goes out from the east and shines to as far as the west, thus will be the house of the Messiah, the Son of Man, coming. So in other words, it's, you, you'll see it happen. You won't, you won't have to guess. <laughs> That's what it sounds like he's saying. Like, wow. <laughs> Baruch Shemo, may it be speedily and soon in our days. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he basically just said, it. he just, or, I feel like Orhaim quoted Yeshua right there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably did. All right, so page 47 in his little 10-page spiel on Shemot 2111. I feel said, like he does that a lot because you always tell me about that. He just goes on for pages and pages. Dude, Orhaim be lighting it up, man. Uh, uh, wow. I did not mean oh, to do that. Or 
kind, lighten, lighten it up. He lights up your life. <laughs> I'm doing puns and I don't even know it. This is bad. I mean, this is good. Anyway. It's a little, it's a little light if you ask me. I feel lightheaded. <laughs> okay, so he says he picks up in the middle of a statement. Well, I'm picking up in the middle of a statement. Where are we going? Alright, it's too overwhelming. I'm just going to pick up in the middle of the statement. Okay. This redemption of the nation will not come about in the way Hashem took us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Where the miracles were limited to one country. But, but rather with extraordinary miracles that will be publicized throughout the world in order to completely uproot the label of slaves from us. Hey. Uh. <laughs> Need an organ right here. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> it says. Hey, I love it, girl. Right. <laughs> I do too. The incredible talent is so incredible. Okay. So this is what the verse alludes to when it says. She shall not leave as slaves, i.e., the slaves referred to in Torah by the words from verse 20, verse 2. It says, from the house of slavery, i.e., the Jewish people in Egypt. It says, for, the, for at that time, Hashem's wonders were targeted at only one nation. But at the time of the final redemption, Hashem's wonders will be targeted at the entire world. So that the entire world will recognize or realize the exalted status of the Jewish people. So in other words, the miracles are going to be publicized. Yeah, no longer than been sold, you know what I'm saying? Oh, come on. And then yeah, it says yeah, uh, over says here. This time has yet not come, has not yet come, you know? But it will come one day. But it will come. Not yet come, it will come. <laughs> So then it goes on to say later, it says, if she is displeasing in the eyes of her master, etc. Quoting on a different verse, it says, not really a different verse, but it says, uh, can be explained on the basis of what emerges from the Zohar. Volume 2, 7b. The form of the final redemption of the Jewish people will assume... Okay, the that the form, the final redemption of the Jewish people will assume will be different if it takes place before it's set time in the merit of their good deeds than the form it will assume if it takes place only because it's hidden set time has arrived there is a set time for the final redemption which Hashem has kept secret besod kept secret is besod yep. it says at which time the Jewish people will surely be redeemed if, however, the Jewish people are deserving, Hashem will bring the redemption at an earlier time. Sanhedrin 98a. So the redemption, in other words, shapeshifts. It can look one way if we merited it, and it'll look a different way if we don't. Uh, it goes on to say, but if the Redeemer comes because the set time for redemption has arrived... Even though the Jewish people are not worthy of it, the verse describes him, the Redeemer, Mashiach, as a humble man riding on a donkey, Zechariah 9 9. 
i.e. he will come in a less miraculous and more unassuming manner. Wow. So that means the redemption time has technically maybe already passed? It passed. Because the Shiak totally rode a donkey. So, footnote, Chuck Norris footnote. The description of Mashiach arriving in a pillar of fire is based on the Zohar. Say what? Say what? <laughs> Quick copy of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so apparently in the Zohar it says Mashiach is going to come in a pillar of fire. Um, that's uncalled for. It says this description is limited to a situation in which the Mashiach arrives early due to the righteousness of the Jewish people. So it emerges from Sanhedrin where a similar distinction is made. That, I believe, is in Sanhedrin 98A. We might need to look that up. Uh, Okay. Give me one quick second. Okay. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Okay, so yeah, it is confirmed that if we merit the redemption at an earlier time, that the Redeemer shall appear in a pillar of fire. The bottom rests on the ground and the top reaches into the heavens. Sulam? No, it uses... uh, H. Mudzav. So, first, well, it says, Malak Adonai Be Amud H. Mudzav. So, and the messenger of Hashem, or the angel of Hashem, the redeemer of Hashem, it's all Malak Hashem. That's what that means. Right. Be Amud H. Mudzav. Which would be in a pillar of fire. Artza ve rosho bashamayim. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yavo goel malak Adonai. And shall come the redeemer messenger of Hashem, the redeeming angel of Hashem. Oh, artza ve rosho That means. On the earth and its head in heaven. Artza as in Eretz. And then um, Rosho, the top or the head. Bashamima, like in heaven. So there's a pillar of fire that reaches from the earth to the heavens. Which, interestingly, was in the exodus from Egypt. Right. So the exodus from Egypt... The Redeemer came in on a donkey, but Hashem met them after they left from the precincts of Egypt into the wilderness with the pillar of fire. Because if you think about that, the pillar of fire, which, by the way, Dr. Sakal found in Lakute Siko, where the pillar of fire is literally called Memtet. But um, we're going to keep moving like that didn't happen. And uh, it talks about how this pillar of fire stood between the Egyptians and the children of Israel and took the fiery darts that were shot at them. 
And this was referred to as taking the children of Israel out of Egypt on wings of eagles. So, I don't know. If we're looking at the first redemption, we see that it's the elements of the redemption being in its time and also being earlier. As far as the circumstances. Mm. Man. She started talking about Exodus. Got something. I got something here. Go for it. So, the song of the sea. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it says, says, some say this song should be chanted aloud while standing. It should be sang with joy as at the the time of Exodus. (laughs) Shiloh. Writes that reciting this this song atones for sin, so that if one wishes to repent a serious sin, he should recite the song every day with great fervor. Wait, atonement for sin? The song at the sea? Mm-hmm. So that totally appears in the Shakarit Seder right before the Yishtabak. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm, I'm, I'm reading out of my, my Maxor right now. Oh, but that's what it says. Word. It says, okay, and then, then, then I'm, I'm going to really hit you over the head with this one. Ready? <laughs> the Zohar says, if one recites this song with elation and joy, he will be worthy to sing it in the next world. He will also be worthy to sing it when he greets the Mashiach. First of all, you were way too happy to beat me down with that. And second of all, <laughs> just stop it and get some help. <laughs> that, if you look at, just look at the liturgy of the song at the sea, like. I know. That's a few pages of prayer right there. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Well, you're in timeout now. I'm back in Orhakim. <laughs> okay, so on page 48, it says that when the Jewish people carry out the will of God, they are referred to as his children. Mm. And then it says that. Born above, not from. Not, yeah. That's right. The term, the term daughters, so return daughters of Israel, that whole verse. It says the term daughters refers to the souls that enjoy the delights of Gan Eden, which Zohar volume 1, 242a explains are called the daughters of Jerusalem. Shir HaSharim 1.5. The right that Hashem has accorded to these daughters is described by the verse Shir Hashirim 1.13. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me. That is, that the souls of the righteous earn the right to have the light of Hashem. We're back to that again. Wow. Okay, so I think the, uh, the miracles thing was the whole fact of they're not contained to uh, one nation. The whole world's going to see them. Right. Which, which, you know, uh, 
You know, you think about it, it's kind of like the opposite of Zim Zoom that's going to happen in the redemption. It's like Hashem, Hashem like is, okay, so take the Exodus, for example, and you, it's a nation, but the nation of Mitzrayim is known as the world, and he does signs and wonders in this small nation, i.e. world, Mm. and the redemption is going to be on a larger scale. It's going to be Zoom Zim, you know? <laughs> like, zoom Zim? Wow. You just made that up. <laughs> and I love it. But, no, seriously, though, because, I mean, even 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 the Mashiach is going to be magnified, you know? I mean, from what you just said, I mean, he came he came in, in, in flesh, but when he comes, he's going to become, you said his head was going to be in the heavens and his feet on the earth, so. Mm, mm-mm. That's... That seems pretty magnified to me, you know. <laughs> yeah, kind of like he he grew a few inches, or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is where Ant Man gets it from. He's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you did it. You just went there. Wow, uh, Ant Man drop. <laughs> That's a new one. Oh, uh, yeah. ain't it true? Ain't that right? Ain't it true, man? <laughs> okay, man. so a few more things. The Orhakim on the same verse, this is on page 42 this time, says that uh, the term Ish, man, refers to none other than Hakadosh Baruchu. That's right. As it is written in Shemot 15:3, Adonai is Ish. Of war, he is the master of war. Another thing the sages said, Shemot Rabbah fifty-two-five, Hashem showed greater and greater affection for the the community of Israel until he called her his daughter. The midrash is referring to Tehillim forty-five eleven, in which the Jewish nation is addressed as the daughter. All right. All right. <laughs> Do it. Um, skipping forty-five eleven. Yes, sir. Here, old daughter, observe, incline your ear, forget your people and your father's house. Let's see, daughters of kings, i.e., nations of the world, visit you, and the queen, the Jewish people, stands erect at your right hand, adorned in. No, it's okay. Well, this kind of spills into eleven, so. Let's just do this. Okay. Adorned in the fine gold of Ophir. When Pharaoh beheld the miracles that were performed on Sarah's behalf, when she was held captive in his palace, Genesis 12, he gave his daughter, Hagar, to Sarah as a maidservant. He reasoned, better that my daughter be a maidservant in Sarah's household than a governor governess in another household. Mm. Indeed, Hagar is a contraction of... Ah, Ha, here is your reward. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Avimela, I'm just going to, we're going to have to come back to that. I guess this is, okay. (laughs) Avimela, king of the Philistines, did likewise. Hence, daughters of kings, i.e. those of Pharaoh and Avimelech, visit you, Abraham. And the queen, Sarah, stands erect at your right hand, adorned in the fine gold of Ophir. Bear sheet Rabbah forty five one. 
I'm gonna just try not to go back right now and to keep reading. No, go go ahead, go back. Oh my goodness. Okay, because this says this is okay, let it go, so let it go, all, let it go. First of, all, first of all, so this is this is Hagar, or you can literally say Hagar, right? Because right. this is the the gear, the stranger, yes. right? Yep. Literally, okay. So you have the picture of Hagar becoming a maidservant in. Sarah's household, which is the Jewish nation. Mm-hmm. But it literally says that her name is a contraction of the of the phrase, here is your reward. So <laughs> so just that picture of like okay, a Garrett leaves the, the household of Pharaoh, comes in to the maid servant servitude of the house of, uh, let's just say, the one true God of Israel, mm-hmm. and here's your reward. That's that's what Hashem is telling the Gares. Here's your reward. Here's you your... get to serve in my household. Right. That's that's amazing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm, I'm never gonna look at Hagar ever like the same ever again. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. You really can't because it's Keturah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> yeah that's amazing okay so then 45 11 through 12 the psalmist instructs the nations the daughters of kings to incline their ears and listen to Mashiach's instruction stop it <laughs> what they should be not they should not be drawn into those who follow God to do battle with Mashiach then the king, Mashiach, will desire the beauty of their potential by submitting to his direction. They will prosper and be safe from any harm. Mm. Hear, O daughter, and observe and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. This verse alludes to Abraham. He was reared in the lap of idolatry, which takes the place of parents or its worshippers. As it is written, they say to wood, you are my father. Oh, my goodness. On his path to monotheism, Abraham is told to forget your father's house in the world of idolatry. Tanhuma Lech Lecha 3. <laughs> Man, it just keeps going. It just doesn't stop. Huh? Okay. Okay. Let it go. Okay, let it go. First, <laughs> that first drop, I mean, <laughs> the daughters of kings, you should incline your ears to Mashiach's instructions. Okay. So. Mashiach's teaching Torah, and you're not walking in Torah. You've aligned yourself with God to do battle against Mashiach. You are are against Mashiach. You're against Hashem. You're not even listening to Mashiach if you don't think you should follow Torah. Not even in the the least bit. But if you submit your will to his will, you will prosper and be safe from any harm. So, that's from that's from Mezuzot. Um Okay, this one more thing. <laughs> this is like a long, so long. You want to do this one? You you should do this one. No, I, I, I'm queuing up what the rabbis know about Messiah. Okay, okay. So it says, "Here, O daughter, then the king will desire your beauty. Here, O daughter, this refers to the Jewish people, and observe the path of goodness. Incline your ear to the Torah." And forget your people on the other side of the river in whose midst you grew up and your father's house. 
i.e. the idols that your forefathers worshipped on the other side of the river, i.e. before Abraham. If you will do the above, then the king will desire the beauty of your deeds. Amen. That's from Rashi. At the core of the Jewish soul lies an innate love of God. The expression of this love varies in intensity, and only with heavenly inspiration is it, it is roused to its full potential. Like a young daughter who depends on her parents, this soul is not fully developed and needs God to awaken its love. Nevertheless, the soul must do its part to prepare its love to receive God's inspiration. As the psalmist declares, Hear, O daughter, and observe, incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. This verse outlines what the soul must embrace and what it must reject so that its divine essence can be revealed. Embrace the path of goodness of Torah and mitzvot. Reject the habitual materialism and egocentricity that the self-absorbed world has taught you. At this level, the soul is not expected to reform its desires. Rather, even as its desires remain shallow, it is tasked with rejecting those desires, despite their intensity. By the sheer force of its will, it can do so by recalling that its submission to physical pleasures negates the divine will and renders it inhospitable to the divine light. Then the king will desire your beauty, the beauty of your soul's light, that has now been set free. Why? Why? Okay, why 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 an exodus? Why a redemption? Why uh Mashiach? Who uh, where where why how I uh up <laughs> my brother uh Matt over here, but I'm just gonna add my two cents because I just can't help it. Um so let it go, let it go. <laughs> seriously though man this literally says like okay you reject idolatry and then Hashem the minute you do that the minute you do that I mean you see it with Abraham I mean come on no you see it with Batya and you see it with Batya the minute you reject idolatry he accepts your deeds and it's like come on man like people reject idolatry to know yourself I know this materialism. I mean, we're living in sukas right now. <laughs> right. Like, we're living in sukas right now. We're rejecting idolatry right now. We got the first and la- latter rain in the seventh month. <laughs> like, I mean, dude. That's deep. <laughs> but like, you, 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 you see, you have, to reject, you have to reject the idolatry because if not, you don't receive the light. We do. It's, it's kind of funny. I feel like we're kind of circling around and back about, about this light, like receiving it and inheriting it. Is that a rooster in the background? Uh, like uh, a literal rooster, not a not a priestier sacrifices. Nah, no. Hillel's, Hillel's asleep down the street. That's a real rooster. <laughs> That's a real rooster. <laughs> Okay, I don't. This is so epic right now. We've drawn to the rooster crowed. <laughs> We've done the opposite I mean, of denying Mashiach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. This is so epic. This is completely on tape forever. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay, it's just is okay, the rooster just, broken? Like it's not even sunrise. What's wrong with him? Nah, but it's it's about to be. I mean, it's 
It is 4.15. So he's, I mean, I can't tell anyway because it don't look dark to me. I don't know. It looks a little dark, but it's not too bad. <laughs> I think I just see city lights or something. I don't know what I see. Um, but no, I just kind of want to... Man, that's just crazy. Like, you know... Like, okay, so just a synopsis whole thing. Hashem is saying, okay, Hagar, don't write off Hagar because the or the or the the gear, the convert in general, because even even though even though the the gear has offspring like Ishmael, right? Right. They also, they, I mean, she comes back into the fold and she later becomes Keturah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it all starts with rejecting idolatry. You gotta, you gotta. It, it, actually, it's, it's the rejection of idolatry and the acceptance of Torah and mitzvah. That's and, and let's not forget the first time the rock that is called Messiah, the well of Miriam, the first time yeah. it appeared in Torah, appeared to her. <laughs> to her, yep. That's right. And not because of her, but because of her child's cry, which is, which is even even a little... Uh, I mean, I don't know, because you read that whole thing about, about you know, the, the the child being the deeds, you know? So Yeah. And remember, uh, Yishmael later in life actually made Shuva. Right. So, you know, Hashem knows the end of something at its inception or conception. Yeah. Which is kind of a, I don't know, you, 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 would, you would hope that uh, the rest of his offspring would, would follow in the same same light. Right. Well, there was something. Um, I don't know. I forgot who I was talking to. Some point this week, we were talking about the the children of Ishmael and the children of Asav, and how they're uh, ultimately uh, going to be brought in. Some of their descendants, not necessarily like all of them, but um, we were talking about well, that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just just according to what this says, says if you listen to the Mashiach, you know, you'll be you'll be kept from harm and. Then, if you decide to go against them, well, you know, yeah, we know how that is going to turn out. So, but okay, who will win? Where? Why? Let's go. Right. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> no, um, well, I, okay. So this is actually what this is focusing on the what, and uh, it's funny because I do have the who, what, when, where, why, and then I also have what the Messiah, what the rabbis know about Messiah. So it's like. This is a zim zoom of the other book. <laughs> All right, so I'm on page 100 because I keep it 100. 100. Okay, so it says from the first book of Torah, Bereshit, to the last prophet in the Tanakh, Malachi, or Malachi, as some people say. The, right. The uh, the Italian prophet. Anyway, uh, it says the Italian. No, he's not Italian. It's just whenever I hear Malachi, I'm thinking of uh, you know, Fettuccini, Alfredo, uh, Ziti. I don't think I don't definitely don't think that, but okay. <laughs> I never I never thought that before. But you I'm know, a, Malachi, the guy is so delicious. But you say you, you say it now. You say it now. And it's like, oh, okay. My so name now, is now Malachi. What can I get you today? Well, now, now I picture him with like like the the little the Jew hat and the stripe. The striped red and white shirt. And yeah, like Mario with ZZ. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And a thick mustache. <laughs> oh my gosh, Malachi. We're, okay. I'm sorry, Malachi. You're not yeah. 
of Mario with Z Z. Actually, they say there, there's a Tamu. Uh, actually, I'm not gonna drop it because it's gonna be sources of hatred if I drop it. So okay. go ahead. Don't wait. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so wow. Okay, side note. I really just said like a Mario was easy. Anyway. Like a Mario was easy. <laughs> I'm talking about my Lakiki. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. The Messiah's activity. Spaghetti in the. Ivrit, Vrit. Yeah, I got it. Okay. <laughs> so the Messiah from Bereshit to Malachi, his activity involves the people i.e. the nations i.e. the goyim i.e. gentiles so that's how they start off page 100 so from from Bereshit to malachi the messiah's activities first of all they're saying the messiah is in Bereshit to malachi right clearing that up because if you read the written torah the written text you do not see anything about the messiah but in rabbinics and midrash, you do. But anyway, yep. says that his activity involves the goyim, the nations, the non-Jews. The patriarch Yaakov foresaw it. It says, Bereshit 49.10, The scepter shall not depart from Yehuda, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Can you look up the interlinear on bear sheet 4910, please? 4910. Because I want to know what's this gathering of the people. How what's, you know I got that? How you know I got an interlinear? Well, you had one earlier. I hope you didn't lose it. I do got one. Come on. I, got, I had an interlinear to Helene. I had you know I had an interlinear to Oh. Okay, what is it, bear sheet? What? 4910. 4910. Coming up. Gathering of the people. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> Man, incredible talent is gonna be like, why y'all always hijacking my stuff? Hijacking my stuff, man. Ain't right. <laughs> like, well, you don't want us to lowjack your stuff. <laughs> so this portion is Vaya Key. again, we're back there. Yeah, we're back here. Boy. Forty-nine. What was it? Ten. Ten. One second. I'm almost there. Ten, 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 ten. Okay, so where am I looking at? Gathering. Oh. No. Yasor Shevitz. Me Yehuda. Who me? Hook. Hook. How you say that? That's a double cough. That's weird. Oh, bookmark. Come on now. Hang on. Okay, so it says, Not past shall the scepter from Jehuda, nor a legislator from among his descendants, until when Shiloh, Shiloh, <laughs> Shiloh, Shiloh, and to him shall assemble the nations. Amin. It's Amin. What does it use for assemble? Like assemble the Avengers. Sorry. Kahat. Kahat. Stop it. Kahat like Kahal. Well, 
I guess, yeah, because it's 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 you just see everything except the Lamed. I mean, it's Yud. Uh, cool. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a Ta. minute. Wait a minute. This is beyond Kahal, dude. It don't even say that the gathering of the people. It it says that they shall be obedient. So, in other words, it says, and to him shall be the obedience, not to him shall be the gathering of people. Uh, you mean like to him every knee should bow and every knee, knee tongue will confess? Alright, get you some Mashiach, Yeshua. Alright, Tehillim 30, verse 17 uses this same word that we're talking about. This is what it says. Shomer Blue, get it. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother's accumulated lore, the ravens of the stream will gouge it out and young eagles will eat it. So, verse 17 over here. Oh, okay, here we go, here we go says the verse reiterates the evil of humiliating one's parents. The repetition teaches that this sin is even worse uh, than those given in 12 through 14. Verse 17, where are we at? Oh, people who reject the authenticity of the transmission of the Torah. The servant of verse 10 is a prophet who is devoted to serving Hashem. The verse cautions people not to slander him to his master by claiming that he contradicts other prophets. Similarly, one should not question the sage's interpretation of difficult verses lest people curse you and Hashem consider you guilty. Uh, Retribution that these people suffer. So in other words... If you're not obedient to Mashiach, you're going to despise the sages. You're going to be considered guilty with Hashem if you don't listen to Mashiach. So this whole thing about Shiloh is going to gather the people. It's all about the obedience. And this word in Hebrew is Yicha, Yod Kuf Hey. Tav, that's the root word. And then it says, uh, literally just says obedience from the word yake, which yake is yod ka, yod kuf hey. So that's obedience? Yeah, guess what just happened? It says it's a symbolical name for Shlomo. Yeah, and I man. Telling you. Kohelet. You're supposed to read Kohala during during the um, the, uh, the festival of Sukkot. Sukkot. Get some help immediately. Uh, the I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this to you real quick. Let me try, try to find it. I got a couple things I need to drop. Actually, that's <laughs> interlinear went like <laughs> mode with all the all the compiled like every source imaginable. It seemed like. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not gonna drop that. I'm gonna drop this first, but I'll come, I'll come back and drop that. Here it goes. So it says, 
says there is a custom of reading certain scrolls during the festivals as mentioned in various midrashim. Kohelet, which was selected for the reading on the festival of Sukkot, or, or was selected on festivals. The book of Kohelet was the subject of great debate by the rabbis as to its worthiness to be included in the holy scriptures. The opinion, the opinion of the school of Hillel prevailed. Finally accepted because of the concluding thesis in the summing up of Kohelet. In conclusion, after all has been heard, fear God and preserve his commandments. But this is the whole duty of man. The book of Kohelet is a mixture of hope and despair, of darkness and light, of joy and sadness, and of life and death. Shlomo plays the role of instructor describing the two contrasting facets of life. The existence of good and evil, materialism, and the spiritual grandeur of human life. He also depicts the alternating moods of man, his inclination to follow the vanities and the follies for the momentary pleasures they bring, and the other mood of choosing the moral and noble pursuits of Torah life. The book reflects the constant friction between these two inclinations in their bad battleground, which is man himself. The festival of Sukkot is surely the most appropriate period of the year for the reading of Kohelet, which contains these contradictions. It is the festival which occurs at a time of material abundance, and at the same time, it is a festival of deep spiritual ex experience. The Jew sees himself surrounded with plenty and might imagine himself self-sufficient. Precisely at that moment, he is summoned to the humble abode of the sukkah, and peering through the scant covering above him, gazes at the heavens and contemplates his dependence upon God. Hmm. It was natural that Hillel should have defended this book. He understood man's failings and realized that all his shortcomings there was inherent good in every man. Kohelet is the portrait of man who is perhaps the most inconsistent of God's creatures. The festival of Sukkot is distinguished by its contrasting appeal, and Kohelet was rightly selected as the book which would best manifest this dual aspect of the festival. Okay, so that is so spot on to what we've been through this week that it's absolutely insane. Because you think about how the most challenging week probably of a Jew's life is the week of Sukkot. Yeah, I mean... And if you anchor yourself in Kohelet during that time, wow. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's kind of interesting we were talking about it. Um, actually, this, this comes from my uh, Ema-in-law. Ema-in-law. She was elucidating that just the whole fact... Okay, so... <laughs> gathering festival... Great abundance, gathering new, gathering in the harvest, and then we're sitting in sukkah, and but it's literally like, like, like we have nothing, you know. It's, right. It's like we have everything, but we, yet again we have nothing. Mm. And then, and then she she said the most probably probably the most profound thing about the sukkah that I I I probably ever heard. So just take running with the fact that the, the sukkah is our imuna made manifest, which is that in itself is a crazy thought when you, when you think about it. Um, but on top of that, she, she added, she's like, and it's, and it happens at the most inconvenient time of the year. Like when you really think about the festival of Sukkot, like it's <laughs> raining, it's cold, it's hot. 
There's mosquitoes. There's bugs. It's it's uh, uncomfortable. It's it's kind of cool. It's kind of breezy. It's sometimes it's nice to sit in the suka. You know, like it falls down. It, it gets built back up. Like that's that is your amuna. Like throughout the whole year. Like and I'm like, or really throughout your whole life. You know, like it's like a a, a, a miniature imuna. You know, that is a thing. I just want to run down the street just screaming. <laughs> yeah, bro. She dropped that. She dropped that at the Shabbat table. I was like, are you? Wow. Okay. <laughs> you just got done saying Hamoti. You can say that. <laughs> She's yeah. like, oh, now is the perfect time. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's like it rains. It's sunny, it's hot, like, it's cold. Like, it's just everything. It's windy, you know? Dude. Okay, so to the listeners right now, this is, this right here, I hope you're hearing this, because this is a picture of the richness of Judaism. Where else are you going to go and be able to literally put physicality to the spirituality of your faith? Right, man. I mean, it's 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 legit for real, real. Boy. Okay. So, first of all, you said the suk is a manifestation of our imuna. Imuna. The root of imuna is amen. Amen has the gematria of ninety-one. The word suka has the gematria of ninety-one. Stop it. Yeah. Are you for real? I'm serious. Oh my goodness! Get out. <laughs> so, um, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here looking, oh, by the way, do what? I'm sitting here looking at my. I think I'm the only one up on the block. Brukashim, <laughs> <laughs> somebody got to be up. Okay, so there, there was so much in what you just said. Absolutely. I know, man. I loved it. I like what you said. I was like, oh my goodness, that is so, like. The- so since we're on a Melik Shlomo kick. Why don't we keep it going with the Or HaChaim on Shemot 2111. <laughs> man, you're on your lucky fifth verse for the same source, man. <laughs> okay, so this is from page 43. <laughs> okay, so it says that, uh, first of all, the Jewish book titled Shir HaShirim, Song of Songs is referred to as the holy of holies. Now, let me back let me back it up here. It says that so much so that Ms. Rabbi Mizraki says that everything in Shehasharim is sowed. There is no Peshat to Shehasharim. Really? There is no Peshat. Everything is Yonah, everything is Mashiach ben Yosef. Everything is sowed. Yep. Wow. Okay, so with that being said, it says, Behold, it is for your sins that you have been sold. Okay, so they're talking about Yeshiyahu 50. First of all, when was Mashiach sold? Wait, say that again. When was Mashiach sold? Handed over to the nations. Dang. Okay. Uh, Right before Pesach? Yeah. And so, remember the fact that he was crucified. He was only sacrificed because of the sins of Israel. Mm. So, Yeshua was sold into slavery because of our own sins. Good night. 
Hashem says, but Israel, you've been sold into slavery because of your sins. Anyway, food for thought. It says that before your sins, you've been sold. Then the prolonged exile is justified. No, they didn't. It says for for even if each term of servitude lasts only for six years and keeping with the law of an evid Ivory, she deserves to be resold at the end of each term. Sleeka. So in other words, the reason that we are in exile and the reason that our exile is prolonged is to fulfill being sold into slavery for our sins. So this idea of embodying the fact that Mashiach was crucified for us is this prolonged exile. So... Okay, so get this. Track with me real quick. Mashiach is suffering constantly until he's revealed as Mashiach ben David and he comes to bring us out of the redemption. Until then, he's sitting at the gates of Rome, wrapping his bandages, sitting with the lepers. So... Might as well be dead. Oh. So if that is the case for Mashiach, we have to match that. So that is why this current exile that we're in is prolonged is because Mashiach is suffering. And remember, if we're going to reign with him, we must suffer with him. Okay. So anyway, that, that, and then it says, um, and with respect to what the verse says, if she is displeasing in the eyes of her master who designed, who designated her as a wife for himself. The meaning of this is based on the fact that the precious daughter of Hashem, the Jewish people, is also viewed as his bride. That's crazy. Hello. Yeah. So it says, as it says in the book referred to as the Holy of Holies, Shir Hashirin, 4, 8 through 12. It says, this is what the verse alludes to when it says, in the eyes of her master who designated her as a wife for himself. For Hashem did indeed designate the Jewish people as his bride. And as for the fact that the word lo, which is Lamed Aleph, it says it is also written according with to which the verse is saying in the eyes of her master who did not designate her. The verse means to say that even though the Jewish people is designated as Hashem's bride, Hashem is acting for the time being as though he did not designate her for his bride because of her unseemly deeds. So this is where you get um, what is replacement theology, dispensationalism, because the people who are the progenitors of that theology saying the church replaced Israel, they're under this false notion that Hashem has forsaken his people. Even though Shaul himself says that Hashem has not forsaken his people, just read the letter to the Romans, you'll find that out. But Hashem right now, it seems like he has not chosen the Jews. It seems like he has not designated the Jewish nation as his bride. So if you look at the footnote on that, it says, when a word has a Cree and a Kassiv, the Cree represents the primary meaning and the kativ adds a layer of meaning thus 
the true identity of the Jewish people is being Hashem's bride. And the exile, during which the relationship is not fully manifest, is unnatural and temporary. So that's where you get this whole idea of Torah is not for today. That's where you get this whole idea of we don't need to be Jewish to follow Hashem. It's because they're not able to see beyond the veil. They're not. Oh, my goodness. So it's not it's not that Jews who don't follow Yeshua have the veil, but it's also that the people who don't follow Torah have a veil. Because on the flip side, they're saying, oh, Hashem has forsaken the Jews. We need to be Christians now in order to be truly with Hashem. Like we're the bride of Messiah. Or they say the bride of Christ. You know, and it's just like, no, it's not the bride of Christ. It's, it's Hashem's bride, the Jewish people. And it's like, no, it's not. And it's like, well, you're not Torah observant. So there's a veil over your face. Might want to get that checked, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, I brought all that up to say that whenever you hear Shir HaSharim called the Holy of Holies, um, that that's the source of that. It's referred to as the Holy of Holies. Now, um, back. To, huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm transitioning back to what the rabbis know about Messiah. So if you had something. Well, I was just gonna like you were saying all that. Like this thought just came to me right now. Um. What was what was Joseph thrown in jail for? Potiphar's wife, like uh, falsely accused of what? Of uh, being intimate with her. Okay, and that would fall under the category of what sin? Adultery. Which is related to what? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, he's, I, we're going in. Just, just, oh, um, idolatry. You, okay. You, you said all this thing, and I was like, okay, okay, so wait. So, you're talking about the Jewish people being the bride of Hashem. Yosef is thrown in jail for being falsely accused of being someone who is not his bride or not his wife. Uh, and he's thrown in jail because of that. And then, not so later that he comes out of jail. Marries his bride and has has his offspring, Nasha and Ephraim. So just that whole picture of like, okay, so you have Mashiach who literally is is wrongly accused of the being a idolater. A, uh, idolater, well, not necessarily just an idolater, but starting an, an idolatrous religion and. Which is probably worse than being a idolater. Mm. Um, but like again, like again, I'm saying he's falsely accused, and it won't be till later to actually come out of jail, Rosh Hashanah, Ooh. and be uh, mm. his true bride, mm. which Sukkot. the offspring of Zuko and in, in in Joseph's case, it was the offspring of Athena. So. He, we're talking about judgment, you know. Oh no, you didn't. Diener's daughter Asnat is Yosef's wife. Oh my word. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, I just, just thinking like you're like, you, know, you, just, you just went on that whole thing about being her, being the bride of Mashiach. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I have more. I have more on the scepter. Just not. I don't want to get away from. Uh, 
um, 49-10 here. All right. While it's still. While it's still. All right. So this is the conclusion of part three. Okay. So we're going to stop the tapes. All right, everybody. This is concluding part three, and we're going to pick up with part four. All right. Brooke Shim. All right. Okay. So I'm going to.